Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. So let's get ready to dive in. We are in a series called Reply All. And if you're just walking in the tent wondering what this even means, I let you guys tell me what topics you wanted to hear from the platform. And there were four topics that came up over and over again. And uh, so they were the ones that had the majority of of voices speaking into it. So we're going to speak into those things today. And so go with me to John chapter 14. And we're going to have some fun today. This was, today was great. Uh, I, I, you know, when you, when you get a 9.30 a.m. service and you get a chance to, to see God's word work, it's beautiful. I'm excited. I'm so excited to preach this message today. But it is going to challenge you. It is going to stretch you. And if you're, if you're getting a little spooked out by some of it, you'd look at your neighbor. You'd tell them it's your fault. You're the one that told them to preach this. All right? you, you said. You submitted that. <laughs> John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. It reads as follows. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me, that you also may be where I am. All right, so today I've got the difficult assignment of talking to you all about the end times. Today we are going to talk about the end times. Y'all ready for it? Put your hand over your heart. Let's pray together real quick. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for this day. We thank you in the name of Jesus for this moment. As you speak to us through your word, I pray that every heart would be open to receive your word. Would our ears be receptive to what your spirit is saying? God, help us not just to be hearers of your word, but doers of your word also. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands one last time and you may be seated. We're going to talk about the end times. You know, growing up in a Pentecostal church, this was by far the scariest, most spookiest, and terrified topic that they would talk about in the church. How many of you have been in the church for a long time and can relate that this was always the difficult times, right? I mean, I grew up in the Pentecostal Holiness Church, which that just basically means it was hard to get saved. I mean, like, you had to really love Jesus, like, really, really love Jesus. If you want to be saved, you couldn't do anything in the Pentecostal Holiness Church. You could just come to church, and that was it. Like, that's, that's my background. And I think when you have a context like that, it's very difficult to motivate people to uh, want to serve God and live for God. And so once a year, once a year, the church that I grew up in, once a year, we were good for an end-time revival service. Come on. How many know anything about those end-time revival service? And I, this is when they would invite a guest preacher, and, and he, he was very, very knowledgeable about end-time prophecy, and they pretty much brought him in to come into the church and to scare the hell out of people. It's just like... <laughs> This is like if, if you were doing drugs, he was going to scare you. You're sleeping around, he was going to scare you. Do things you weren't supposed to do, he was going to scare you. And so they would bring in the evangelist every single year. And he'd talk about the end times. He'd talk about the rapture. He'd talk about the second coming of Jesus. And he would scare everybody into getting saved. 
I mean, it's just a lot of people would just get scared because he would do stuff like this. Come on, tell me. It, 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 tell me if this wasn't your childhood. The tone would get started really early because they, they, they'd have the end time crusade, the end time revival type flyer. And let me tell you something. That church didn't believe in no Halloween, but that flyer was so scary. I mean, it was scarier than some of the stuff the world puts out there. And then they would staple it to the church bulletin board in the lobby. Come on, you know you're saved if your church had a bulletin board in the lobby. Come on, how many of you grew up with a church bulletin board in the lobby? Like, you're, y'all the saved, saved folks. So anyway, he, he would come in, and here's what he would do. He would preach about the Antichrist. He would preach about the mark of the beast. He would talk about Christians being beheaded. And then sometimes they would play ACDC music in the church, but on reverse, you know what I mean? Like, play it backwards. You hear the screams of hell? That awaits you, you know what I mean? play videos of exorcisms and then like like if it wasn't bad enough if it wasn't bad enough then the preacher would cut the mic like this you know what i mean he'd be free with it he'd cut the mic like and he said the horsemen are coming the horsemen are coming i remember one time yeah y'all never heard that one time the preacher preached like that 26 people got saved that night i mean they got all got water baptized not because they love jesus that they were just afraid of hell it's just like i don't want to go to hell Do you love Jesus? Who's he? I don't know. But I just don't want to go to hell. God scared me. And so we were good for that. And typically when we think about end time service, that's that's our context for some of us. It's like when you talk about the end times, it gets real scary. But here's what I want you to know, okay? I want you to write this down. The end times is not a horror story, but it is actually a love story. When we talk about the end times... The end times is not a horror story, but it is a love story. John 14, 3, we read it a minute ago. Let me read it one more time. The writer said this, and if I go, Jesus talking, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. Everybody say come back. And I will take you. Everybody say take you. I will take you to be with me so that where I am. You would be with me also. You see, that's where we start to see the love of Christ that he has for us, that he wants to be together with us. And so this is something that is called the rapture. Everybody say rapture. Rapture is the best English word that we have to describe the sudden snatching away where we believe that Jesus Christ is going to snatch away the rapture of the church. All of the believers, everyone who is following Christ, every Jesus follower global is going to be raptured. Christ is going to come and rapture his church. And this is what he was saying in John. He goes, I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you with me. That's the rapture. I'm going to rapture all of the church to be with me. Acts 1, 9 verses, Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. We talked about Acts 1, 8 last Sunday, but I want to read to you the next few verses. Remember, Jesus is giving his final words to his disciples, and after he's done, he goes up into heaven. Look at, look at how it all plays out. After he said this, Jesus was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid Jesus from their sight. And so they were all looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white, they were angels, and they stood beside them. And now the angels are talking to the followers there. Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, here it is again, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven so these angels come and they're just they're just reminding the followers they're they're just reminding the the disciples in that moment of what jesus had already told them he told them i'm going to come back 
for you. Let's read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 15 through 18. This is Paul now talking to the church in Thessalonica and also explaining to them about the coming rapture of Jesus. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not proceed until those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command. So there it is one more time. The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command. With the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. This is why Christian funerals are the best kind of funerals. How many of y'all know that Christian funerals are the best kind of funerals? Because we don't mourn like those without hope. We have this hope that we are going to see them again. Come on, clap your hands if you know you got some loved ones. That you're going to see again. The Bible says they're going to be the first to rise. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. So Paul writes to the church and he tells them what is the rapture. And he begins to explain to them the order. You know, first the dead are going to rise and those who are still alive, we're going to be raptured up to meet him in the sky. Now, why be raptured? Why, why does Jesus want to come and snatch us away? If you're taking notes, write this down. The rapture of the church is to spare us from the tribulation to come. The rapture of the church is to spare us from the tribulation or what Paul calls the wrath that is to come. Let's read on. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. Paul goes on to say, now, brothers and sisters, about the times and dates, we do not need to write to you. Because a lot of people were asking Paul, hey, when's Jesus coming back again? Like, like, like it's been like 30 years. When's he coming back? Like, when, when's it going to happen? Okay. And Paul says, times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Now, let's skip down to verses 5 through 9. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So this rapture, this this sudden snatching away of the church happens so that we don't have to go through tribulation. Now, what is tribulation? Write this down. The tribulation will be God's judgment on the earth. The tribulation will be God's judgment on on this earth and we believe and teach that the purpose of the rapture is to save us from this period of tribulation that is coming to the earth now i'm going to pause here because as i teach you guys know that i like to present uh sometimes more views than the ones that i hold so that you all can make an informed decision but the tribulation is a seven year period uh that is to come that i believe is going to happen after the rapture of the church that would mean that i hold what's called a pre-tribulation view of the rapture now now there's some people that believe that the church will go through half of the tribulation and they call that the the mid tribulation crowd and then you got some people that say no 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 the church is going to be raptured at the end of the tribulation they call that the post-tribulation crowd so we got the pre-trib the mid-trib and the post-trib it's like gangs in the church you know what i'm saying like everyone's got their own little trib and they throw signs no they don't do that they don't do that but but we got all these different points of contention and, and so you'll see sometimes different camps say well i kind of believe it's going to happen here i kind of believe it's going to happen here but church let me tell you something this is up for debate but it's not up for dividing 
This is up for debate, but we're not going to divide over it. It is it's not salvific, okay? There was a preacher friend of mine, not, not a friend, I wish he was a friend of mine, but it was a preacher that I listened to, and he had this thing. He'd say, you know, you trip, I trip, pre-trip, mid-trip, we're all going to trip, okay? So we're, and I love that. I love that. It's not in the Bible, but they should have put it in there, you know? Just, just know that we're all going to trip at some point, okay? So just know that it's going to happen, whether you believe it's going to be before, in the middle, or afterwards, it's just going to happen. But, but I'm teaching and preaching from the theology that I believe that we are going to be uh, taken before the wrath. Again, I point to the scripture where Paul says it's, it's not for us to suffer wrath. It's not for us. God is going to save us from the tribulation that is going to come. Okay, so Pastor Josh, you've talked about the tribulation, so what's it going to be like? Let's talk about it. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 through 7, Paul says, Do not let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed. Let me pause for the cause right there. The man of lawlessness is the Antichrist. Paul refers to him as the man of of lawlessness the man doomed to destruction he will oppose and exalt himself over everything that is called god or is worshiped so that he sets himself up in god's temple proclaiming himself to be god don't you remember that when i was with you i used to tell you these things and now you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time for the secret power of the lawlessness is already at work but the one who now holds him back pay attention to that for a second because paul is saying there is something holding back the antichrist the one who holds him back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way so the period of the tribulation is marked now by the emergence that the antichrist comes forward many people believe i personally believe this as well that the antichrist is going to be a person that has political influence he he may be a world leader or he may be a political person that is emerging and 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 what the scripture teaches us here is that the antichrist will be held back uh, because someone is holding him back and i believe that someone to be the holy spirit I believe because the Holy Spirit has been poured out on the church, the Antichrist cannot emerge because the church of Jesus Christ is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And y'all realize that the Holy Spirit is greater than the devil, right? The Holy Spirit is much greater than our any. It's not like 50-50. It's like we already won. We've got promised victory. The power of the Holy Spirit is here on this earth, and it lives through the church. Listen to me, Lyles. You got to know that the Holy Spirit didn't come to fill your life just to occupy a chair on Sunday. But you have been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit because God empowers you to do his work here on earth. Let me think about this for a second. When Jesus was getting ready to send out his 70 disciples, when he was mentoring, teaching, training them, and equipping them to do ministry, he said, I'm sending you out on mission, and there's two things that I want you to do. The first thing I want you to do is pray for the sick. The second thing that I want you to do is cast out devils. Just do those two things. It, that, that, that's all he said. To now wasn't the time for justice. This wasn't time to feed the homeless. This wasn't time to take care of the widows. They did all of that. But sometimes Christ said, the reason I put my spirit on the inside of you is so that you can lay hands on someone. And even though they are sick with cancer, the power of the Holy Spirit can miraculously heal them. That's the power that God gives to the believers. The power that God gives to the believers that we can walk into an environment. And if there is a bad spirit, listen, you ain't got to mess with sage. You can just bind it out in Jesus name. You know what I'm saying? Well, too many Christians getting new age, you know what I mean? Just forgetting about you having the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And, 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 so the, and, and so this is why, this is also why I believe that the Antichrist will come. He will emerge after the rapture of the church. Because here's what happens. When God, when Christ takes his church, the Holy Spirit in the church is now gone. And that is how the man of lawlessness, the lawless man, can emerge. He can emerge as long as the Holy Spirit is here. But when Christ takes his church, that is when the Holy Spirit, listen, there is going to be a vacuum and the Holy Spirit will be gone from the earth. And that is how he is able to emerge. That is how there's going to be a spirit of delusion because Jesus' followers aren't here anymore. Because, because all the people that were saved and, and filled the power of the Holy Spirit are literally pushing back. Y'all realize that we are literally pushing back the powers of darkness here in this city, right? I know sometimes you just think, well, they're just going to go sing a few songs. They're going to go listen to that pastor preach. You do realize that we are stepping into territory, reclaiming it for the kingdom of God. And when the light begins to shine, the darkness begins to run. But when there is no light to shine, there will be a void here on this earth. That's also what I believe marks the tribulation. I believe the tribulation is not just God's judgment here on this earth, but I also believe that the tribulation is the absence of God's spirit here on this earth. So, so here's what will happen. The tribulation will be three and a half years of peace followed by three and a half years of wrath. The Antichrist will come. He will broker a peace deal in the Middle East. And y'all know they've been fighting the Middle East for like thousands of years. But the biblical prophecy says that the Antichrist will emerge. He will broker, finally broker a peace deal in the Middle East. And for three and a half years, three and a half years, everyone's going to think he's the man. Everyone's going to think, where has this guy been? This guy's the, the best thing since peanut butter and jelly. Like, like, where has he been? But then, but then at the three and a half year mark, this guy going to flip on them like crazy, crazy, okay? Because at the three and a half year mark, after all of the pomp and the circumstance that the Antichrist is going to receive, he's going to stand at the temple of Jerusalem and declare himself to be greater than God. And now you know you're messing with the devil. <laughs> he's going to declare himself to be greater than God. A spirit of delusion is going to hit, and for three and a half years, the wrath and the fury of the Antichrist is going to be all over this earth, and that's why it is called the Great Tribulation. That's why it is called the Great Tribulation. But if you are tracking with me, church, the good news is you don't have to go through any of that because we're already going to be up in heaven when this happens. That's the hope that we have. That is the hope that we have. So sometimes people are like, I get so scared when you talk about Y'all need to be scared unless you think you're going to be here for it. I don't believe I'm going to be here for it, you know? So, like, this is one where I'm not here for it, okay? You know that saying, like, yeah, I'm here for it. No, I'm not here for this, okay? <laughs> I'm going to be together with him in the sky. And, and let's talk about what happens after that, okay? So I want you to get this. So the rapture of the church, tribulation begins, the Antichrist emerges. Let's talk about when this kind of buttons up. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. And then the lawless man will be revealed. Whom the Lord will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. Can we just pause for the cause right now? Paul already tells us that the Antichrist, he's going to come, but there's someone coming that's going to overthrow him. And that's King Jesus. I said there's someone that's coming to overthrow him, and that's King Jesus. Paul kind of hits us with the good news, and then he kind of tells us what it's like. He says, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie, and all the wickedness, uh, and all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing, they perish because they refused to love the truth and to be saved. You got to understand that, that, that it's a decision here. You, you can love the truth or hate the truth. 
And Paul said people, people are perishing because they, they hate the truth. Why? Let me just pause here. Why? Because so much humanism teaches you to live your truth. And no such thing as your truth. There's just one truth. There's just one truth. And you got to be careful with that humanistic spirit. Baby, just live your truth. That's like the worst advice you can tell someone, all right? Because there is truth. If your truth is you get to drive 100 miles on the freeway every time, keep at it. Let's see, what you're, what, let's see when you get pulled over for reckless and, you know, and you tell, I'm just leaving my truth. No, don't work that way. <laughs> there are certain things that, that are above your truth. That is the truth. And, 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 and so you, we've got to love the truth. When you love the truth and you are saved, let me finish this verse. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. So here we get this marker, okay? Because so many people are like, but, but I mean, if, if everyone is raptured, people are definitely going to be like, oh, snap, my auntie was right. I needed to follow Jesus. But there's going to be, a, again, the absence of the Holy Spirit here on earth. There's going to be a strong spirit of delusion here on this earth because people did not love truth. But we do see at the end of the seven years, the tribulation is going to end with the second coming of Jesus. As a matter of fact, write that down if you're taking notes. The tribulation is going to end with the second coming of Jesus. Now, now the rapture and the second coming are two different things. The, the rapture and the second coming are two different things. There, there's the rapture, there's tribulation, the Antichrist. At the end of the seven years of tribulation is the second coming of Jesus, the second coming of Jesus. And I read, to, I read to you in the previous scripture that the Lord Jesus will overthrow him with the breath of his mouth. It's talking about the Antichrist. But let's read Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 6. It says this. John the Revelator said this. I saw heaven standing open, and there was before me, uh, and there before me was a white horse. And keep in mind that Revelation is a lot of allegory, a lot of symbolism. So it says, there was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and wages wars. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the wine press of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has his name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is John seeing what's going to happen at the end of tribulation when King Jesus himself descends with all the armies of heaven. And once and for all, he is going to overthrow the Antichrist. He's going to overthrow Satan and he's going to overthrow the beast. And this is going to be the mark of the end of tribulation. Church, I want you to get excited about this because we have promised victory in Jesus. How let me know that we have promised victory in Jesus. I mean, like, like even Christianity, it's like it, it, you're going through this experience of following Christ, but you already know the ending. There's no mystery as to how this is, ends. When this ends, it ends with King Jesus being victorious and his bride reigning together with him for all eternity. That's the ending of the book right there. And, and so, again, this is where I see the love story of it all, that, that he would want to be with me forever. That he would want for me to be together with him forever. So when Jesus descends, when Jesus comes back at the second coming of Jesus, when the tribulation is over, well, here's what he's going to do. He's going to once and for all take care of the Antichrist, Satan, and the beast. And he's going to get back to the work 
of restoring what he created. Jesus is going to restore the earth that he created. He, he is going to, you see, you see the, the enemy distorted what God created, but God is going to restore what he created. Why? Because the enemy never has the final word. How many know that the enemy never has the final word? Come on, somebody get excited if you know that Jesus always has the final word. That's why even in death we can rejoice. That's why the writer said, oh, death, where is your sting? The grave has been swallowed up in victory because of the death of Jesus Christ. And because that has already happened, we will always win in the end. We will always win in the end. Now, now, now here's what happens, and I'm coming to a close, and, and this is going to be teaching for a lot of y'all because a lot of churches don't teach this. A lot of churches just kind of stop right there, or a lot of churches teach once we get to heaven, it's all over, and it's like the end, and we're, we're, you know, we're, we're just like walking on streets of gold and drinking a lot of wine and having a lot of good food. You know what I mean? It's just like <laughs> heaven. Hey, sounds like a good idea, huh? Thanksgiving is coming. All right. but, but that's not where it ends. Revelation chapter 21 lets us know that when Jesus comes down, and when, he, and, and, and when he wages war, and at the conclusion of his second coming, this is what John says in Revelation 21 that he saw. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Can you all say a new heaven? A new, heaven. A new, earth. A new earth. John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. So, so the heaven that we know right now is going to pass away. The earth that we know right now is going to pass away. And the, Paul goes on to say, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. I'm sorry, this is John, not Paul. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven um, from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Just know that the holy city, the new Jerusalem is not a place. It's a person. It's a person, a lot of analogy, a lot of allegory here, okay? But it says, I saw the new Jerusalem coming down as a bride. That's why we know it's a person. So, so we see the church descend after Jesus wages war here on earth. Now we see the earth descend. And I heard a loud voice, um, now, and I heard a loud voice from the, earth, from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among his people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And I love this part right here. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. So, 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 so here we go. Listen to me. Yeah, we can give it. Go ahead. I hope you all learning something. So there is going to be a new heaven and a new earth. So when, when Christ comes down and overthrows the enemy, he's going to take earth down to its studs, rebuild it. And then we, we descend. This, that's the language that, that, that John the Revelator, which he sees. I saw a new Jerusalem coming. Because then we're going to be placed back in heaven. I'm sorry, back on earth once again to reign according to God's original design. We are going to live on earth again, not, not older, a new earth. And we're going to live here for eternity. For those of you that are wondering, well, what happens after that? I don't know. I don't, because that's, that's all we got. That's all we got. But the Bible clearly says that heaven's going to be made new. And earth is going to be made new. 
and we're going to come back to earth and inhabit earth. But listen to me. It's not the earth that we know today. It's the earth you never knew. It's the Garden of Eden that, that, that was first created and where Adam and Eve were placed. What God's going to do is restore that ecosystem to earth one more time. He, and, and then we descend. And now he will be with us and we will be with him. How many times did you hear that scripture where we say, and God walked with Adam in the cool of the garden? Well, guess what? They're going to be saying that of you. And Joe walked with God in the cool of the day. And Ruthie walked with God in the cool of the day. And Joanna walked with God in the cool of the day. This is the new heaven. This is the new earth. And this is what awaits us in, in the future. Again, I, I, in Western Christianity, we often just stop with heaven. It's like, heaven, done. And, and that's fine. That's fine. But there's a new heaven coming. And there's a new earth coming. And the writer says, and, and we're going to come back to earth. Because, again, God has a final say. Satan jacked up earth. But God's not going to leave it that way. In the same way, he doesn't leave you the way that you are when he finds you after Satan's messed you up. You know what I'm saying? He's always restoring things. He's always redeeming things. He's always bringing things back to their original design. So he's going to bring earth back to its original design before sin. And he said, and this is the environment that you're going to live in because this is what I created and this is why I intended from the very beginning. Come on, give God some praise for that. So if you're writing notes, write this down. After tribulation, a new heaven and a new earth. After tribulation, a new heaven and a new earth. Did you guys get the sequence of events here? I'm talking at a very high level, but I want you to understand the end times. I'm not deep diving into a lot of these subjects, but I'm giving you the order of what's to come as we see through the scripture and as I understand it. But I always get asked this question. Okay, Pastor Josh, that's all great, great, great. But when's it going to happen? How many, how many of we always get these questions? Right? But, but, but when's it going to happen, Pastor Josh? Like, like when? Can you, you got a timeline for this? ECD, you know what I mean? Like ETA. And, and I don't like that question. I don't like that question. Because oftentimes people ask that question because they want to get right with God right before it happens. Right? That, that's typically where it's from. It's a, but I just want to live my life. <laughs> I just want to live this way. Can I just like, can I just like believe in my heart, confess with my mouth, you know, and then just, you know, he loves me. Listen to me. That's the wrong question to be asking. That, that, that's the wrong question to be asking. The goal of life is not just to get to heaven. The goal of life is to know your maker here on earth, not wait till you get to heaven. Like you can live with him now, his presence with you now. Why would you want to wait? Like, 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 why would you put off living the abundant life that he has promised you until you get there when you can experience life in abundance right now? Like, like now's the goal, not then. You can live the abundant life right now. So, so, so let me reframe that question. And it's so funny because I'm not going to say, I'm not going to name names, but there's, a, there's, a, there's someone on our dream team and he tells you like, you know, my brother, I, I, he doesn't come to church because he's one of those guys that says, that, that, that likes to say, I'm just going to get right with God before I die. And then, then he's just like, that's his thing. I'm just going to get right with God before I die. You know, we're praying for him, but he tells me every Monday he asks, hey, hey what did Pastor Josh preach about? What, what was service like? What did Pastor Josh preach about? So he's, he's been following. He's been tracking with us, and we're just believing for him. But, but there are many people that have that same posture. I'll just get right before I die. Let me tell you something. Whenever someone asks me, are we living in the last days? When will we know that we're in the end days? Are we living in the last days? Let, let me just tell you this. You are living in your only days. 
you're living in your only days. There's no more days. That's it. You're living in your only days. Instead of asking the question, is it the end of days? Because after today is gone, you will never have your today ever again. You've got one chance at today. That's it. You got one chance at today, and that is it. So you are living in your only days. What will you do with this gift that God has given you? What will you do with this day that God has given you? How will you live your life knowing that today will never come back? You'll never have it again. It's going to expire. How should you live as a Jesus follower knowing that this is the only day that you're going to have? Today will only be today. And after that, it's gone. Just a couple of weeks ago, uh, when I got home from church, I got one of those text messages that kind of put me in a mood for the rest of the afternoon. And it was because there's a pastor friend of mine. He pastors a church down in Chula Vista. You can come on up now. He's a young man. He's 44 years old. Young man. I need a lot of men on that. 44. <laughs> young man. <laughs> Teenagers are like ancient. <laughs> I, I, I'm a, he's two years older than me. I'm going to be 42 in a couple weeks. So he's two years older than me. So he's a very young man. Very young man. And, uh, he pastors the church, and uh, that morning got up, even sent out a message on social media, can't wait to see you all at church, see you there. You know, a lot of pastors do, they get, it's, it's our passive-aggressive way of saying, you better get to church today, you know, <laughs> can't wait to see you at church, smiley face, you know, and while he was getting dressed for church, he suffered a massive heart attack and passed away two weeks ago. I mean, his, his church was in the building getting ready for service to start and his wife got a hold of one of the elders to tell everyone let's just go home for today because he passed away and if there ever was a moment that once again framed up that tomorrow is not promised church tomorrow is not promised and, and, and it was very tragic to hear the news and he led an incredible church uh, a thriving church. He was so loved. They, they had his funeral services on Tuesday, and so many people from the community came out to be there and to celebrate his life. But again, gone too soon. So, so when I say you are living in your only days, I'm not trying to scare you. I just want you to face, because many of us don't really live with the reality that tomorrow's not promised. And that's just the truth. And it's not a scare tactic. It's just to wake us up to remember that tomorrow is not promised. So why would you wait to do something tomorrow that you can do right now? Like, why would you put off a decision that will impact your eternity until tomorrow when you can do it right now? You're living in your only days. And the way I want to close this service is I want to pray for everybody that's not made a decision to follow Jesus. And if you want to make a decision to follow Jesus right now, you would make a decision. And I also want to pray a second prayer. I want to pray for all of you that need to recommit right now. It's like, like you've just been living, and you're not really focused, and you're not keeping eternity in mind, and you just need to shift some things so that you, you once again, once again, refocus your life. That, that you, you're pursuing things that are above. That, that Christ is your priority. Knowing very well that he has a hope, a promise, and a future for you. So right there, would you close your eyes, would you bow your heads. If you have never made a decision to follow Jesus, but today, right now in this moment, 
you want to make a decision to follow Jesus. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. But I'm also going to ask any of you that needs to recommit. You're just feeling like, you know, I'm just distracted. I believe that oftentimes the enemy's not out to get you to sin. He's out to get you distracted so that he can then get you to sin. And I, I just think there might be some of you living with some distraction. And you want to refocus. You want to reset your priorities. You want to recommit right now. So if you want to make a first-time commitment... Or if you want to recommit your life to Christ, throw that hand up right now. Throw it up, throw it up right now. For those of you that make a first-time commitment, recommitment, throw that hand up. I see you. I see you. Go ahead and put that hand down. I'm going to pray over you. As I pray, just repeat these words together with me. But I really want you this to be your prayer. I, I want this to be your commitment to him. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this day. And thank you, God, for this moment that you are giving me right now. In this moment, I commit my life to follow you. In this moment, I recommit my life to you. I know that tomorrow is not promised. And I'm not making this decision based off of fear. But because you love me, I want to walk in your love. Because you love me, I want to live in your love. Because you have promised me life, I want to live an abundant life. So, Father, through your help, I repent of my sins. I turn from my wrong ways. I know I'm not going to be perfect, but with the help of your spirit, I promise not to go back. I run to you as my Lord and Savior. I make you my priority. Once again, I say yes to you above all others. Once again, I say yes to you above every other thing. Once again, I say yes to you above all other distractions. You have my heart. You have my life. And I promise to live for you forever. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, clap your hands and let's stand up on our feet right now. Come on, let's clap our hands for all the people that just made that decision right now. That's several hands that went up. Come on, let's give them a resounding round of applause. We see you, but more importantly, I believe God sees you. He knows you. He knows your heart. You know, at the end of last service, God began to turn this tent into one big altar call. So I'm just going to go right to that right now. If you want to run on up to this altar, I'd love to pray for you. Pastors, would you come up here right now? All of our pastors, would you come meet me here? And I just want to do a good old-fashioned altar call. If you want prayer, if you want to recommit your life, or if you just want to spend some time in the presence of God, run down here. Come on, run down here. We're not going to make this too long, but run down here. Our pastor's going to meet with you. We want to pray with you. But if you just want to just spend some time in his presence, we would love to pray with you. We'd love to just give you this opportunity to just soak in this moment. We don't have to run. We're wrapping up service. I know this isn't for everyone, but this is for someone. There's just some people that just in light of everything you heard right now, you're like, I just want to spend some time with my maker right now. I just need to spend some time with Jesus right now. I just need to spend some time in his presence right now. Come on, and the worship team is going to sing. You can just worship with us where you're at, wherever you feel most comfortable. But let's lean in on his presence right now. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.